So, what a, what a, what a great time today to celebrate our mothers. And um, th- this is just seed for thought. I saw this little story and I want to read it to you. Um, a man stopped at a flower shop to order some flowers to be wired to his mother who lived about 200 miles away. As he got out of his car, he noticed a young girl sitting on the curb sobbing. He asked her what was wrong, and she replied, I wanted to buy a red rose for my mother, but I only had 75 cents, and the rose cost $2. She must have been buying it at AGB. And uh, the man smiled and said, come on in with me, I'll buy you a rose. He bought the little girl the rose, and he ordered his own mother's flowers. And they were leaving, as they were leaving, he offered the girl a ride home. She said, yes, please, can you take me to my mother? She directed him to a cemetery where she had placed the rose on a freshly dug grave. The man returned to the flower shop, canceled the wire order, picked up the bouquet, and he drove 200 miles to his mother's house. And the moral of the story is, you can't ever sacrifice enough. Ever. You can't ever lay down your life for other people enough. You can't ever think about someone else more than you think about yourself or your condition and not be blessed as a result of it. Ever. And today we're talking about mothers and there's a great story of a guy realizing, you know what? She didn't even have her mother and I do and all I'm doing is sending her flowers, I can drive there. And you know, your mind might think, well, you know, I don't have time today. And I'm not saying you have to drive 200 miles or 500 miles to wherever your mother is. I'm just making a point. You can't sacrifice enough. Ephesians 6.8 says, any good thing that a person does for another, the same shall he receive from the Lord. You'll never outgive and sacrifice God, ever ever and God is just and he makes sure it may not be today or tomorrow and next week or whatever but God is just and he makes sure things come back to us amen just an encouragement today in the word I'm going to share with you turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and this is a full-blown all-out Mother's Day word A Mother's Day word. (laughs) First 10 years or so that I pastored, uh, I guess I wasn't trained enough to teach messages that were centered around holidays. (laughs) Guy's not in our church anymore. But One day he came, this is about 10 years into pastoring, and he, he goes, why don't you ever preach a word that, pertains or relates to the different holidays like Christmas or this you know and, and I mean I, I, I probably did a little bit but not very much and I said well, I don't know I, I never really even thought about it he's the first guy that had ever mentioned to me that I had not like brought a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day or a Father's Day message on Father's Day or you know a Christmas message it was like I, the way I preached was just whatever was on my heart whatever I was studying in the word of God that's what I'd preach and so, I don't know, a few years back, I started seeking God about 
bringing a word regarding the different holidays we have because actually these holidays aren't necessarily God holidays, you know. God doesn't talk about Mother's Day in the Word, but He talks about mothers. And you know, when it all boils down, the Bible says in uh, 1 Peter 2 to pray and honor and acknowledge all people. And so, what better way to acknowledge today mothers as a part of all people and all those who are in authority, and mothers are women of authority, what better way to do to honor them by bringing what the Bible says in regards to mother a challenge to other people's lives. And so my message today is twofold, and it's encouraging mothers, you'll hear it, but then it's an encouragement to you about what mothers bring to our lives. So think about this as I share this word with you today. So Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to talk about a mother before she was a mother. And uh, in verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now I want to read verse 28 and 29 in the Amplified. And the angel came to her and he said, Hail, O favored one, endued with grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God are you before all other women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind what such a greeting might mean. Think about it. Here's a 16-year-old girl that gets a word from an angel. Now, I can guarantee you she had never heard from an angel before and probably didn't know anybody that had ever heard or received anything from an angel. Probably. And so she gets this word that says, you're highly favored above all other women, and she's troubled by it. And why do you think she's troubled? Why would she be troubled by that saying? Think about it for a minute. You know, God judges the heart. God looks at the heart of a person. And when the angel came from God, a messenger from God, to deliver a message to her, God was calling her highly favored above all other women as a result of the inside of her, not her acts, not the things that she did in the natural. In a moment, we're going to read out of Proverbs 31 about the proverbial woman. And, uh, you know, it's the long passage of Scripture that probably has caused some women to commit suicide, you know, through life because they couldn't measure up, you know. I wouldn't doubt it. 
And you'd think, you know, what, what is that whole passage about in the Bible? But I was thinking about it, and, and I was reading in my Bible and in the Amplified Translation, and there are two footnotes about that whole passage, about the proverbial woman. And I want to tie what these footnotes say and what Proverbs 31 talks about with what I feel like troubled Mary here and then another passage. So I'm going to tie all three of these together today. So look just for a minute at um, where was I going to go? Oh, yes, Luke 10. Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified also in verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I'm going to start in verse 39 and read out of the Amplified. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving, and she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand, and to do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by by saying, Martha, 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 you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. And what was that portion? What did Mary do? Verse 39 says, Mary seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. She was listening to his word. And Martha's freaked because she's been carrying Proverbs 31 around with her all of her life and trying to meet the standard. I've got to be this. I've got to be all of these things. And wearing herself to the nub. Okay? So, let's look at Proverbs 31. And I want to read a couple of footnotes that I have out of the Amplified Bible in Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel. Did you know that I have a, I have a great great grandfather named Lemuel, and I have a great grandfather named Lemuel, Ab, Ab. They're alive in heaven. Lemuel. 
first time I saw that, I said, well, and this is just a few years back, I asked my dad, I said, who's that? I said, that was my grandfather. I said, What's his, what, how do you say that? Lemuel. I said, he said, that's a Bible name. I go, it is? I got, it, even, it didn't even dawn on me that it was a Bible name. It's just mentioned right here. And so, anyway, that was free. Um, so, his mother is telling him some things about his life. And then in verse 10, Solomon goes into a couple things that I want to look at. <clears throat> I want to start with verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her worth is far above rubies. Her worth is far above natural things. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So, I want to read this, these two footnotes. It'll take a minute to read this, but I want to read these two footnotes to you. This was interesting as I read this. It is most unfortunate <clears throat> that this description, he's talking about Proverbs 31, of God's ideal woman is usually confined in readers' minds merely to its literal sense. Her ability as a homemaker is in the picture of Martha of Bethany and Luke that we just read. It is obvious that far more than that is meant when the summary of what makes her value far above rubies is given in, in Proverbs 31.30. It is her spiritual life only that is mentioned. One can almost hear the voice of Jesus saying, Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken away from her, like in, in that point of what I just read in Proverbs 31.30. Uh, <clears throat> Many daughters have done nobly and well, but you excel them all. What a glowing description here recorded of this woman in private life. This capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. That above all. It means that she had done more than Miriam, the one who led a nation's women in praise to God in Exodus 15. Deborah, the patriarch, the military advisor in Judges 4. Ruth, the woman of constancy or consistency in, in Ruth 1. Hannah, the ideal woman in 1 Samuel 1.20. <clears throat> um, and even more than Queen Esther, the woman who risked sacrificing her life for her people in, in Esther 4.16. In what way did she excel them all? In other words, the woman that, that Solomon is talking about. How did she excel them all? In her spiritual and practical devotion to God, which in her, in her spiritual and practical devotion to God, which permeated every area and relationship of her life. All seven of the Christian virtues in 2 Timothy 1:5 are there, like colored threads in a tapestry. Her secret, which is open to everyone, is the Holy Spirit's climax to the story into this book in Proverbs 31.30. It becomes clear 
that the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, which is the beginning, the chief, and the choice part of wisdom in Proverbs 9.10, is put forth as the true foundation of a life which is valued by God and her husband far above rubies and pearls. <clears throat> so today, as I, as I bring this message to a conclusion, I'm going to use two women. I've got many women in my life. I mean, you know, right women in my life. <clears throat> I didn't, that didn't sound well. <clears throat> uh, but I, but I, I've got many women that, that, I've, that I have been a part of my life that have influenced my life. But I'm going to use two women today specifically just to make my point. It's not that the other women aren't important, but I'm going to use two women to make a point today. And number one is my wife. And number two is my mother. And, I mean, most of you know, but my my mother passed a couple months ago. And and when you take these three passages of Scripture, when we take, we we look at Mary and the confusion that was set in, what, what did you just say to me? That I'm highly favored and blessed above all women? Because God looks at the heart and not at the outward, right? And when when God looked at her heart, what she had to have had to be highly favored and blessed above all women, she had to have a fear of God. But when you have a fear and a reverence of God you don't really care what other people think of you. As, as, as my wife is, and having been married for almost 36 years and seeing the person that she is, I've, I've never known a person, bar none, no exaggeration. I mean, you'd say, well, every husband would say this. I guess. I'm just saying it. I've never known a woman that had a fear and a reverence for God like this woman, ever. I've never known anybody. And like with anybody else, I could go down the list in Proverbs 31, and, and, and I could, or she and I could talk, or she could say, you know, I don't do this well enough, or I didn't do this, or I, I'm, you know, not like this next person. We could talk about that. But I've never, I've never seen her spend much time in comparison because she didn't have time to compare. Now, the other woman that I'm using, and like I said, I have my mother-in-law here who's a great woman of God. My, my stepmother who passed about a year and a half ago who's very influential and a great woman of God in my life and, and many other women and and, and that, are, that, that we're connected with that are great women of God. My pastor and my pastor's wife, Ann Holler, and Sharon Kelly in, in Virginia Beach, who we're connected with. I mean, great women of God. But I'm just using these two women as an example. And <clears throat> my natural mother was, she was raised in church life, but 
1952 or 3, whatever it was, she was at a Billy Graham crusade and she gave her heart to Jesus. And um, that day, something happened and transformed in her life that I believe set the stage and the tone for the rest of my family to be saved today. When I got born again, nobody was born again that I knew of, and I didn't know about this situation with my mom. But my mom was discouraged from continuing in a life of loving God and understanding God, and she was, you know, actually the zeal that she had as a result of getting born again at that crusade in 1952 or 3, other people around her tried to discourage her zeal. And so she didn't press into the things of God and so lived her life having been born again, but never, that never being developed, but there were qualities in her life that I could never see because of issues that I had with her. And in the 1990s, I spent a long period of time with my mom working through stuff and having to forgive her for stuff and, and dealing with judgments that I had against her, not really realizing why she did some of the things that she did. But she had a fear and a reverence of God based on what she knew about God that I didn't, re- that I didn't have the privilege of realizing till probably 15 years ago. But she had a fear and a reverence for God and yet lived some crazy lifestyles and went through a lot of strange things and a lot of battles in her life, but she, she set the stage for my whole family to be saved because she had a fear and a desire to know God that was so deep in her that she that she defied all of what anybody would say. She, she told me years ago that people told her she was nuts for going to that crusade. And in those days, they didn't preach born again in the churches that she was in. And people told her she was nuts for going there. They're just a bunch of radical, freako people, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And she stepped out. She took a risk. She stepped out of the box and did something that, that sowed a seed that is why I'm here standing here today so thankful for my mother and I'm so thankful for my wife and the examples that God has given me of God-fearing women watching my wife raise my children and, and fearing God and not and, and being willing to step out of the box and take risk in raising our children even different ways than what everybody said and really hearing God and us learning to come together and understand that ah, just, it's just been amazing And what I've realized through the years is there's so many things like Jesus told Martha, 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 Martha. Settle your hind end down. In Texas, we'd say it a little bit different. You know? Just settle your backside down. Take a deep breath. And all these things that you think are so vitally important, if you don't have this, the rest of it is nothing. 
There's not, there's not, no, listen, we just talked about servanthood and sacrificing and loving and doing and all these kind of things. All those are good. But if you don't have the other, if you don't have the fear of God and the reverence of God, if you don't have the heart for God, then all the works are nothing. And in this story of the proverbial woman in that verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. And Body parts are dropping. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And today, I, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't appreciate my mother enough. And I, I developed the appreciation and I learned and I got past a lot of the things that I held on to. But I didn't appreciate the woman that she was. But I have the opportunity to appreciate my wife today and my mother-in-law today more and more every day. And I'm going to do that more and more. And today, there are three things that I want to challenge you in that you should or need to learn from your mother. These are three things that I learned from my mother. In the last 16 years of a really great relationship with my mom, there are three things that I learned from her. Number one, <clears throat> forgiveness. Number one, I learned how to forgive her because she held nothing against me because I had a horrible, stinking, ungodly, dishonoring attitude toward the woman that brought me into this world because of things that I thought she did to me. I'll just tell you, I mean, rightly so. I had every right to feel that way and, and look at things that she did because she did things, but I didn't see it clearly. I didn't understand it clearly. And what I learned through her and then realized the forgiveness that she lived in and the ability to forgive other people that she lived the way that she lived gave me revelation about one thing and it's found in Mark 11 and verse 23 through 25. Can you give me that? Mark 11 and 23. <clears throat> for assuredly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he says will be done he will have whatever he says verse 24 therefore I say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe you receive them and you shall have them how many know that that's part of the foundation of being a believer that as we pray things we receive but verse 25 is the key, and it's what I learned from my mother. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And what that means is, if I don't forgive, there's nothing he can do for me. That's the power that God's given us. You say, God can't do something for me if I don't forgive? No. 
And the Bible also says that unforgiveness hinders our prayers. So the answers to our prayers are hindered when we don't forgive. I'm telling you, it took me almost 20 years to forgive. And once I stepped out and forgave, that attitude of forgiveness liberated my life to a point that I was able to love my mom and understand some things and forgive my mom. And what it's done is it has so empowered me to live a life of forgiveness that if I I think that someone's got something towards me, I, I can't even sleep because it's so destructive. And my mother taught me that. In a really unique way, my mother taught me that. Second thing that she taught me was unselfishness. My mom would give me, would give anybody anything. And I've realized that as as time went on, what a giver that she was. And how unselfish she was and how she didn't think about herself. And it's one of the character, one of the characteristics that I've seen all the years that I've been married in my wife, of how unselfish and how how not thinking about herself and thinking about others has advanced her life and my life and our whole family's life. And I've learned that from my wife and from my mother both about what unselfishness does in your life. And in Philippians 4 and verse 4, It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, and that word there is unselfishness, let it be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all of your understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. In Christ Jesus. And where does that come from? From an attitude of unselfishness, of learning and developing that. And mothers, you know, I'm not saying that every mother has always been unselfish. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that my mother wasn't selfish in different ways and decisions and choices and those kind of things that she made. But when you deal with unforgiveness, then you can learn from people that didn't do it perfect. Now I realize. My wife and I are the only ones that have ever done it, things just exactly perfect. You know, no, but, but the truth of the matter is everybody screwed it up. Right? Everybody's done it wrong. No one's been perfect. So we think, sometimes I think in the back of our minds, we think we can only glean and learn from people that have done it all right. No. There's not such a, a, a human being on planet Earth. There's only one righteous and one that did it all right, and he prepared us so we could learn to do it right. And you know, you know, you know when you begin to have the ability to do things right when you're at his feet. And 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 you work out what that represents, what that really means. It's not bowing down and doing whatever kind of penance or whatever. When Mary was at his feet, she she it was like 
It was like she could see nothing else. There were tables to wait, there were chores to do, but she couldn't see anything else. And what unforgiveness and unselfishness produces in our life is this this passion that we have more of the time with Him that that everything else will have to wait and what that means to us individually so that everything else that we do is so much more productive. And I believe that when you learn to honor and you learn to look past some of the things that you don't like about your mothers, that you'll learn that from your mothers, your wives, because they're mothers. They're not your mother if you're married. And don't let them be their, your mother. Get out of that thing and so they don't have to be your mother. Grow up so they don't have to be your mother. Anyway, when we look past that and we can see clearly, it's amazing what you can learn from their lives. They didn't do it perfect. They made mistakes. You forgive them. You, for, you live in a place of forgiveness, and then you can see clearly how really smart they are, no matter what they did. And the third thing that I learned from my mom was honesty and truthfulness, that I learned from my mom and my wife both. Honesty and truthfulness. John 8, 32 says, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You'll know the truth about things, and truthfulness is what will make you free. Honesty and truthfulness will liberate you and make you free. I saw a statistic the other day that upwards of 80% of men lie. I thought, that's not a right figure. I promise you 100% of men have told a lie at one time or another. (laughs) And not been told. Well, but it was just a little, no, a little, a little contaminates the whole thing. So a little lie is a big lie. It's a lie. So everybody's lied. But we don't have to lie. And we don't have to be deceptive. We don't have to be dishonest. We don't have to live our lives in a dishonest way. And Psalm 15, the six verses of Psalm 15 are really, really powerful. And I really encourage you to take some time and meditate and spend on Psalm 15. I'm going to read them to you today. These verses. If I can find it. <clears throat> the, the five verses of Psalm 15. Lord Who may abide in your tabernacle and who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth, where? In his heart. It's not enough to just appear to be truthful, but somebody that speaks the truth in their heart. How does that come? You develop it. You practice it. You practice being truthful instead of dishonest. Dishonesty, even though at the moment may seem to be more protective or easier, will not produce the fruit of righteousness. We don't have to be dishonest people. Hmm? And I learned that. And the the funny thing was, when I was a young person, I, I told all kinds of lies. I lied all the time. 
I lied when I didn't have to lie. But when I really got connected to my mom about 15 years ago, I realized some things about her that were just absolutely gut honest. Her whole life was. Whether you liked it or not, she was honest. She did what she believed was right at the time. And, in, and, and, and even above my mother, the most honest person I've ever met in my life is my wife. Never known anybody that would, that would speak the truth even to her own hurt. No matter what anybody thinks, says, or anything. And there's something about truthfulness that we can learn from people. You know, okay, both of those women, they've said something that wasn't truthful at some time or another. So nobody's perfect. But when we learn to forgive our mothers and we learn to be unselfish with them, like the story I read at the beginning about the man that canceled his flower order and he drove 200 miles to appreciate his mom. You might think today that your mom doesn't deserve you to drive 200 miles for her. What I'm saying is we can have twisted mindsets and we can have thinking that tells us one thing when the opposite is true. And you've got to live your life to get liberated from any wrong thinking that would hold you in bondage and keep you from flourishing. Because forgiveness and unselfishness and truthfulness and honesty will create a life in this life like no other. And I can say today that from my wife and my mother, I've learned those things. And today I'm a better person, and people around me are better people when, when I'm in their presence because I'm not a liar, I'm not selfish, and I have no unforgiveness in my heart. And the only way you can say that is if you develop that. I didn't say I didn't have opportunities for unforgiveness. <laughs> in fact, Probably by the time I get outside the doors right there, I'll have a lot of opportunities. Who knows? That's just the way it happens. But I'm not <clears throat> knocking on wood when I say things like that because I'm confident. I'm not selfish. I'm just not. I'm not a selfish person. I don't think about myself. I'm not selfish. Do I have the opportunities to be selfish? Every day, multiple times, every single day. But the Bible says, let your unselfishness be known to all men because the Lord is near. We don't have lots of time. If you have another 100 years here on the planet because you live to be 150, that's not a lot of time. Not for eternity. Not when we talk eternity and what eternity represents. Eternity is a lot of years. Whatever time you have left, on planet earth that you have here to exist on planet earth is very short compared to eternity. Let your unselfishness be known to all men because the Lord is near. Your time is near when you leave the planet. I'm not expecting to leave the planet anytime soon in this dispensation of time. But I want to live my life unselfish and so what I declare is I am not a selfish person. I have no unforgiveness in my heart, and I speak the truth always. Amen? The truth, the whole truth, 
and what? Nothing but the truth. And God does help me to do that. Amen? Today's a great Mother's Day. We got all kinds of really cool things back there for the mothers. Some of them are fattening. <clears throat> and some of them aren't. But we've got some cool little gifts for all the mothers back there. And, and uh, you know... If your mom's on the planet, just take the time to appreciate who she is, no matter what. No matter what you think she did, maybe no matter what you've got built up in your mind that she did to you. And I'm not saying that everybody has had a negative experience with their mom. But I hear more negative experiences than not. But I'm just telling you, there's something that happens in your life I can testify. I was in bondage when I held stuff against my mom. And maybe your mom passed and you still had some things. I mean, you can be free of that stuff. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But so appreciate, this is Mother's Day, and so appreciate your mom and let her know how much that you love her and that you care for her, you know, and just, you know what, if nothing else, you wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for her. I mean, your dad's whatever, you know, but then that woman, she gave birth to you, and there ain't nothing like giving birth. I mean, you can talk, men can talk about how tough this is. I, I was there, I was there for all four deliveries. I was there through the whole thing. I was the coach. Come on, come on, honey. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I know she wanted to slap the fire out of me. You know, I know she did. There ain't nothing like delivering a baby. Gosh. So we're thankful today. Every mother in the house, if you're here today, would you just...